Hi, this is Rachel from The NeverEnding Sleepover. If you want to keep up with us or view the content that is connected to each episode, you can head over to Instagram and follow us at never underscore ending underscore sleepover underscore podcast. We know the name is pretty long, but everything else was taken. Next time you need to go shopping but can't make it to the store, head over to Instacart using our link provided in the episode notes and also in our Instagram bio. Using our link will let Instacart know that we sent you and you'll receive free delivery on your first order of $35 and up. Hello and welcome back to the Never Ending Sleepover. Nice. Here we are, we're back. Um, I want to start by saying that David just made the most delicious dinner on the whole planet. Can you please explain what you <laughs> made because it was so good? Um, yeah, it was a green garlic pesto and sun-dried tomato pasta. Yeah, and there was a Brussels sprout side that yeah, was fantastic. It was, it was fusilli pasta. And then I made some roasted Brussels sprouts. And it was so good. It was so good. I wish that you guys could taste it because it was delicious. It was magical. It was wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. You're it was very fun welcome. to make. Well, it was um, amazing. What else is going on? What's happening with Crackle Lacking? Working, chilling. <laughs> I haven't been doing much. Has anything happened? I feel like not much has happened. You know, not really. I think we've just been. We've just been going through the motions recently, I think. Yeah. Um, we, we've been doing... We went to karaoke. We did go to karaoke. That was a lot of fun. It was amazing. It was the best time of my life. It was a private room. It was with our friends. It was fantastic. Um, I had the time of my damn life. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was. Um, I'm super good at karaoke. Bad at singing, <laughs> good at karaoke. Um... It's all I, about the show. It is, and I thought I would be—I thought I would be like too nervous. Like I kind of thought I would like get up there and be like shot. No, it turns out it turns out that I will put on the and I will put on a one-woman Broadway show. Nice. And I had the yeah. time of my life. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, yeah, it was pretty great. I would—I want to go for my birthday. Yeah, we should. But we'll have to go before my birthday because I think we'll probably be gone for my birthday. Mm. We've been, um, because we did an episode about trying to, like, be more clean, um, I do want to update that we've been doing super good um, because my work schedule so much better now. I have more time, which makes the big difference. Turns yeah. out the real secret to being clean is not having to work full time. Well, I work full time, but my hours, my schedule, my days yeah, are longer, I, I, and so I work less days. So, like, when I'm home, it's not like this is my only time I have. So, like, right. it's easy to clean, yeah, because I'm not yeah. prioritizing doing stuff for myself over it because I have the time to do both. It makes a giant difference. Yeah, and I'm, I'm basically just learning to utilize the time that I do have to, like, multitask. So, I'm just, I just, like, clean and do stuff that I would also do. Yeah, yeah, and, like, I feel like the work we've been putting in to try to keep everything maintained throughout the week, like, the one day a week that I do, like, the big cleaning day, it's only taking me, like, two hours to do everything, including sleeping and mopping the floor. Yeah. And then I'm done, and I still have the rest of the day ahead of me. Yeah. You know? It's it's funny, my my chef is very clean. Like, his house is very clean. He's, like, one of those Danny Tanner types? That's my dream. I wish I was like that. Kind of. 
Um, he understands that his house becomes a mess throughout the week because of his like wife and kid and him, you know, just, just working. Living life, yeah. yeah. Um, but on he reserves like the entirety, the entire first half of the day of Sundays to just clean. That's what I do, just not on a Sunday. And he yeah. like spot cleans. It's crazy. One time he had his sous chef and another cook at his house working out with him and then they finished working out and he was like all right you guys want to help me clean now (laughs) and so they helped him clean (laughs) they helped him clean his house i love that energy um i love that so i they were telling me that story the other day and i was like that is hilarious that's wonderful um but it's just i've been trying to do that to an extent but it's hard when it's just like there's things you want to do well i also always take your days off to hang out like i i don't give you the opportunity to clean on your days off because i'm like do you want to do this do you want to do this do you want to do this (laughs) but it's okay because i like i just put my headphones in and i listen to my podcasts yeah and i'm like vibing yeah it does get easy when you put your headphones in and you just go yeah Oh, oh, if I'm not listening to a podcast, it's like I, my body's made of cement. I don't move. Yeah. My When those podcasts, when that podcast is on, my brain turns off and I can just get going. It's funny. I'm the opposite, though. Like, if I am listening to, like, a podcast or talking, I don't want to be doing other stuff. Okay, so <laughs> I, I have a story to tell you. Hmm. And I'm just going to tell the story. All I'm going to say is that we are going to get into a little bit of music history here. It's going to be a little bit true crimey, not in, like, the murder kind of way. Like, yeah. we're going to talk about parental abuse. Mm. Um, and just a really fucking wild, strange situation. And one of those situations that you hear about and you're like, well, that's unique. Yeah. <laughs> That's a unique circumstance. So, this is a story of the Shags. Have you heard of the Shags? No, I don't, I don't think so. I'm going to play you some of their music, um, but the story starts in Fremont, New Hampshire. Um, when he was a child, Austin Wiggs Jr., his mom d- did palm readings, and she read mm. his palm, and she predicted three things. That in the future, he would marry a strawberry blonde woman. After his mom died, he would have two sons. And that his daughters would form a popular band. Mm. So the first two predictions came true. As an adult, Austin was described as a humorless man who rarely smiled. He was also said to have no real interest in music. However, after the two predictions came true that his mom predicted and after she died from what appears to be a really intense coping mechanism he became extremely obsessed with making sure the third prediction came true Uh, yeah he would force his family to like hold seances at their house to try to contact his mom and after like a little also side note like the interesting just that their family was just their family dynamic was yeah. just different with that like after his mom died um and after his wife's dad died 
his dad and his wife's mom actually got together. Oh. Yeah, and they like stay together, which is just interesting. Like, I'm not yucking their yum. It's just different. Wait, so, wait, whose mom? So, essentially, think of it this way. So, the kids. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they lost a grandparent on their dad's side and a grandparent on their mom's side. The two remaining grandparents, one from each side, got together. Okay. So. Interesting. Yeah, it's just weird, but that aside. So, in his coping mechanism obsession with making that third prediction come true. Hold on, I have a question. What year is this? Oh, you know what? I didn't tell you what year it is. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think of like when. Is this like 70s or is no? This, like this early is the 1960s. 60s. Yes, okay. this is the 60s. I forgot to add the starting date. Yeah, I don't this, know why. Sorry. For some reason, it felt like the 60s. There was no timing at all. Era. Yeah, this is the 60s. When his daughters were teenagers. So he had two sons. He had two sons. How many daughters did he have? Four daughters. Four. Okay. The two sons are the oldest kids, and then he has three daughters. Dorothy, who's called Dot, Helen, and Betty. And then there's the youngest daughter, Rachel. So his three daughters, his three oldest daughters, Dot, Helen, and Betty, when they were teenagers, he pulled them out of school. He bought Dottie and Bette guitars, and he bought Helen drums. And he bought the youngest a bass guitar. However, she was not pulled out of school, and she continues to go be in school throughout this entire ordeal. Mm. She's never pulled from school. And the two sons and the youngest daughter, they take part in what is going to happen. However, they're not active participants, really. Right. They sometimes participate. This band that he's creating. Right. It's really only these three daughters that are subject to this whole thing. Um, the rest of the family takes a, takes the hits from it in a way, but they're not, they're just being thrown into it every so often. Yeah. It's not like, they're not being tortured the way these children are going to be. Right. So, um, sometimes the youngest daughter, Rachel, played bass guitar, but she wasn't, um, she was allowed to continue school. She wasn't pulled out of school for this. So, he created a schedule for them. It was morning and afternoon practice. They had to rehearse for their dad after dinner and then before bed do calisthenics, which is a form of strength training. Um, some nights instead of the calisthenics, they were made to just continue rehearsing. And he would just make them play the songs over and over again until he thought they were perfect. And he had them do this every single day. So every day they're waking up, they're practicing, they're eating lunch, they're practicing, they're having dinner, they're either doing strength training or practicing, and Jeez. they're going to bed. And they're being pulled out of school for this. This is right. every this day. Right, this is every, yeah, this is... They're practicing in the basement. They're being confined to the basement all fucking day. The only time they really get out is to go to church and go to the grocery store with their family, which is also on a schedule. Um, and they say that, like, when their dad left the house, they would, like, go down to the lake. But other mm. than that, you know, they're essentially being confined to the basement to, play, to be forced to play music all day. Um, and also, well, this is the 60s. They're not, like, hopping on YouTube and learning how to play instruments. Right. So, he named the... The dad named the band The Shags after, like, the shag hairstyle that was popular during the time. Mm. And also the movie The Shaggy Dog. Right. Um, and he didn't let them to partake in social life. They weren't allowed to have friends. They weren't mm. allowed to have boyfriends. They weren't allowed to even attend concerts, which is interesting because he was having them play music. Um... And Dot said about 
or their dad. This is all later. She they never said anything about anything at the time. Yeah. This is all later. Dot said that he was he was stubborn and he could be temperamental. He directed, we obeyed, or we at least did our best. Betty mm. said that she missed everything and that she always just dreamed of owning a car and just escaping and just driving away. And she never Damn. knew where she was going. She just wanted to go somewhere. Um, Helen later said that the dad was inappropriately intimate with her on at least one occasion. But Betty denies that there was sexual abuse involved. So either Betty didn't want that people to know that about her or yeah. she never experienced that and it was just. specific to one specific yeah. daughter or at least that's what we know um it's assumed they endured a lot of abuse but there isn't a lot of public knowledge regarding the specifics mm. i think it's just a general we're gonna put the clues we're gonna put one and one we're gonna put the clues together yeah. considering what they were you know, what we know about what they were going through um they weren't good at music I was going to say, was their music any good at no. this? But no. No, they weren't good at music. I mean, no. not only do they have no life experience, but they're also just trying to figure shit out in their basement. You know what I mean? They had very limited music knowledge, and they just weren't that interested in it. They didn't mm-hmm. care. They didn't want to be doing it. They were said to have, um, from, so like, Wikipedia, I went on Wikipedia and just looked at, like, um, the basic description of the band and they're described as having untuned guitars erratically shifting time signatures disconnected drum drum parts wandering melodies and rudimentary lyrics um rolling stone actually reported that they sounded like lobotomized family trap singers yikes yeah and so i listened to their music and it genuinely sounds like three people just playing completely different songs all over each other but they're Mm. all singing the same lyrics Mm. it's really bizarre and i am going to just really quick play little snippets for you for you to hear kind of what Check out another song, My Pal Foot Foot. This is about her missing cat. Holy shit. What is going on? This sounds like if the Velvet Underground were like not musically trained we're like bad intentionally yeah or like bad i don't even unintentionally yeah yeah because yeah, like it's like you the, know it's like how the, the velvet Vel- underground without the understanding of music right because you know how the velvet underground like fucks with time signatures well, there's and, like, like the death the angel death song is that what it's what's it called that one velvet underground song the black angels death song yeah it sounds a lot like this there's a, yeah there's a lot well yeah and then like murder mystery has fucked up time mm-hmm. signatures there's just like a lot of like you know, they mess with music in a, in a way, but you could tell that they know what they're doing. Yeah, whereas It's like this, if they, they... Yeah, it's... It's wow. people making music that have no idea. I... It's so bad. So. It's so bad. In 1968, they were forced to perform a talent show where they were mocked, 
and then they were forced to play at a nursing home. And following those performances, their dad set up an ongoing spot to perform at the Fremont Town Hall every single weekend. Oh, God. And they even had to scrub the scuff marks off the floor every weekend after their performance. Jesus Christ. So, there's a little picture of what's happening now to these girls. And the ages were pretty unclear, but at the time the picture was taken for this album cover... Mm. Um, the one where they're sitting right. with a green curtain behind them. Um, that, the Philosophy of the World cover, I believe one daughter's 18, one is 21, and the other is 25, mm. 24, 25 maybe, I think is the ages. So these were people that were... Years after. Tortured. You know, used music, was, music was used to torture these poor girls. They were missed their entire youth and going into adulthood they're just in this fucked up situation and they're also being forced to perform these songs um where in 1968 where hundreds of people from the town are showing up to make fun of them throw things at them mock them and they got harassed they're they later said the performances were extremely embarrassing. Their younger sister, Rachel, who was allowed to stay in high school, was bullied a lot. Um, a lot of rumors spread about the dad's abuse mm. and that they were being forced to do this. And n- nobody ever Did stepped anything. in to help them. Yeah. They were only ever mocked and made fun of. They were the laughing stock of this freaking town. Why does that surprise me? Yeah. Or why does that not surprise right. me, unfortunately? Yeah. <sighs> That's pretty shit. Was he, like, physically abusing them? They have never disclosed that. Never said anything, yeah. It's not clear what they endured. Yeah. It's just assumed to be probably not good, and they haven't talked much about it, and don't want to be pressed about it either, really. Yeah. Um, It definitely is very clear growing up that it's an extreme source of trauma for them right um which makes everything that follows is super fucky honestly and we'll talk about it um but it's really not clear yeah um i'm gonna show you a youtube video that is like pretty much the only clip of them this is in 1969 this is one of those um town hall shows they were forced to perform every weekend um the video the video isn't of people like throwing shit at them the video that they took is just like a bunch of kids dancing yeah um a lot of people showed up to listen to them even though they were horrible to them right um but this is just a video of them performing let me turn my sound on i'll put the video on an instagram so there's a little clip it's, of it. It's better than what their recorded shit sounded like. I'll say that. <laughs> Funny enough. Um, well, I will discuss a little bit about um, how this stuff got recorded. So um, that's where we're at. In March of 1969, which is the year that that was recorded, um, their dad took them to Massachusetts to record their first album, Philosophy of the World. Mm. Um at Fleetwood Studios, and the engineers said that these girls looked miserable. Yeah. Um, 
he attempted to persuade the father to hold off on recording. Um, he said they weren't ready, um, and they looked miserable. Um, but the dad responded by saying, in quotes, he wanted to get them while they're hot. So they recorded the album, and they recorded the entire thing in one day. Jesus. Yeah. Um, the studio actually attempted to have studio musicians, like, re-record the album, but it was so erratic that they weren't even able to recreate what they had originally done. Yeah, like, done. What, what are they even trying to do, you know? like. Yeah, and so I'm going to read um, the liner notes from the album that their dad wrote. Mm. He wrote, The shags are real, pure, unaffected by outside influences. Their music is different. It is theirs alone. They believe in it. Live it. Of all contemporary acts in the world today, perhaps only the shags do what others would like to do, and that is perform only what they believe in, what they feel, not what others think the shags should feel. The shags love you. They will not change their music or style to meet the whims of a frustrated world. You should appreciate this because you know they are pure. What more can you ask for? They are sisters and members of a large family where mutual respect and love for each other is at an unbelievable high, in an atmosphere which has encouraged them to develop their music unaffected by outside influences. They are happy people and love what they are doing. They do it because they love it. It sounds like he's, like, trying to cover up. Yeah, it's, like, the most disturbing thing to read after you know what these poor girls were subject Mm -hmm. to. So... Uh, he, he ordered a thousand copies to be pressed and released. The studio owner, Charlie Dyer, delivered a hundred copies of the record and disappeared with the other 900 and the rest of the money. However, later, a music executive, Harry Palmer, actually said that he was told that Austin, the dad, had refused to distribute the last 900 copies Mm. because he was worried the music would be copied and stolen, which is delusional. Um, so there's a lot, there's a little bit of discourse over what actually happened. Mm. The dad saying the guy took their money and stole the rest of the money. Probably not true. Yeah. The, the, the guy saying, no, he didn't want the rest and I was stuck with 900 copies of this fucking album and I just kept them in boxes at my studio and handed them out to anyone who asked. We've got different sides of the story here. I don't know what happened. That's, yeah. it's all hearsay. I'm less inclined to trust the dad, but mm, for real. that's that. Um, obviously, the Shags gained no traction at all. Um, their album didn't sell, Yeah, but they were forced to continue performing. And they were presumably still being held to their schedule. Um, Helen actually secretly married a man that she met at the performances presumably Mm. she was an adult at the time um but she didn't tell her dad for a while um and remained living at home out of fear so she was married but nobody knew anything damn uh yeah and when she did eventually tell him he actually grabbed a gun and tried to murder her husband the police got involved and helen left the house and moved with with her husband and didn't talk to her dad for months, but still continued to be in the band, which is interesting. Weird. Yeah. Um, she was still forced to be in the band. Mm. Um, and apparently their dad never liked the performances of the title track of the album, Philosophy of the World. He would say they never did it right. He would always make them do it over and over and over and over again, and they could never get it right. 
one day he finally praised it he finally said it was as close to perfect as it'll ever be and that day he died of a heart attack at 47 and the girls immediately disbanded and sold their instruments yep um betty and doc got married and moved out their mother sold the family home fun fact the new owner of the home after that actually claimed it was being haunted by Austin's ghost and donated <laughs> it to the Fremont Fire Department, who immediately burned it down during a firefighting exercise. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, all the kids went on to lead seemingly normal lives with normal jobs, as far as we know, normal families, to yeah. a point. And by 1980, they developed a cult following. This album somehow ended up in the hands of people like Frank Zappa, Bonnie Riot, Jonathan Richman, Carla Bay, Blay. Um, Frank Zappa actually played two of their songs on a radio show. He called them better than the Beatles. He contacted the Shags and talked them into re-releasing the album under Rounder Records. So as adults, these women trying to put making their, their money well kind of so they tried to put their trauma behind them they move on and now all of a sudden all of people, these yeah. people in rock and roll all these intellectuals of sort are now praising this as like the heart of rock and roll because it's pure it's just three girls playing instruments not knowing what they're doing which is the heart of music not realizing that underneath it was this whole world of abuse and yeah. torture that something so innocent is, is really not. super nefarious. Right. Um, and so Rolling Stone reviewed the reissue of the album that was re-released after they were given permission. Um, Deborah Ray Cohen was the writer um, for the Rolling Stone review, and she actually said that it was the sickest, most stunningly wonderful record she'd heard in a long time, and it actually received the Comeback of the Year award. Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And so the Village Voice writer Lester Bing said, How do they sound perfect? They can't play a lick, but mainly they've got the right attitude, which is all rock and roll's ever been about from day one. And I understand what he's saying, but do they have the right attitude? Or were they just tortured, sheltered people that were being forced to do something? And they did the best they could with the situation they were in. It's almost like a like a social experiment. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It is, and it's like a lot. There's a lot of discussion about the lyrics and how they're just so. They're weird. They're innocent, you know. They're talking about their family. They're talking about they have a song about their parents. They're talking about their their lost cat. You know, these 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 lyrics are so innocent in a way, but like they they they. They come from. They come from a, a horrible situation. Yeah. Which there's I there's like a dark connotation behind it, so. Yeah, and it, it's 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 almost it's it's disturbing to listen to. Yeah. So take a sip on that. Knowing like the context behind it. Yeah. So. So we're in 1982. Shag's own thing was released which was made up of previously unreleased shag music. So now Mm. there's a new album. Um, The title track is actually a duet between the dad and the oldest son of the family, which Pitchfork in their review said was particularly disturbing. Austin, the dad, sings of another man, 
his son doing it with his girl which is disturbing and can only really be weird yes and so let me weird yeah that's the dad and the solo son um oof you know very weird yeah um and so now 1990 mm. Kirk Cobain mentions the Shags as his favorite band <laughs> Joe Mosean the vice president of RCA marketing at the time said it's so basic and innocent the way the music business used to be it's kind of a bad record, and that's so obvious. It's a given, but it absolutely intrigued me, the idea of people who would make a record playing the way that they do. The sisters at the time were not a huge fan of the press they were getting mm. and starting to gather at the time. They weren't fond of the way people were talking about the music, and looking at that from a perspective of this was a way that I was traumatized and tortured and abused as a child like why do you like it yeah it's interesting yeah um at the time tom cruise and paula wagner and yes tom cruise the actor we are talking about tom cruise and paula wagner um actually wanted to make a movie about them at the time but they did not and so we enter the 2000s there's their music circulating in the highest of high in business in the music world. Um, Betty's working as a school janitor. Later, she works as a warehouse employee. Helen is on disability and has such severe depression that she can't work. Um, and Dot remains interested in music. She plays the handbells in her church's choir, and she still enjoys writing lyrics. Mm. Um in a New Yorker article, Betty says that when she was asked if she ever had listened to the album, she said that she hadn't and that she hadn't played music since the day her father died, but that country and western echoed in her head all the time, maddeningly so and so loud it was hard for her to talk. Wow. That's crazy. So... Yeah, I mean, she's so traumatized by this that it's, I mean, what is, I mean, I'm, I don't want to, I'm speaking for these women, but it sounds to me like they were, like, this music is echoing in her head lot. so maddeningly so that she can't even speak. Yeah. That sounds horrible to me. Yeah, it does. She hadn't played music since the day her dad died. So... In 1999, Betty and Dot played four songs at a music festival and the 40th anniversary celebration in New York. Damn. In 2001, Animal World, which is a record label, um, released a tribute to the album called Better Than the Beatles. Uh, in 2011, Whoa. a stage musical called Philosophy of the World opened. Um, so backtracking a little, sadly, by 2006, Helen had died, which mm. is sad. Um, and you know she really really struggled she really struggled as an adult and it's really sad Um, her son or not her son her husband died in a motorcycle accident 
Um, so she's, you know, left widowed. I mean, she really, really, really has a hard time. Yeah. Um, she doesn't want a lot to do with a lot that happened after, you know, when this album starts to gain traction. So yeah, Helen really, throughout all of this, she really yeah. doesn't want to do with it. She does not want to be performing. She does not take part in any of that. Um, yeah. She does... She does make quotes for interviews, but she never meets in person. She only ever is like, I will speak with you over the phone. Yeah. Um, or corresponds through her sisters. She really distances herself from, distances herself from this and truly just doesn't really want much to do yeah. with it. Completely understandably. Um, so in 2012, Dot and Betty did appear at a tribute show in Brooklyn put on, put on by Jesse Krakow, who said... Everybody loves the shag. Everybody says the shags are impossible to play, but we're going to do it as is. Um, he assembled a band called the Dot Wigan Band to play along with Dot and to finish and re-record more unreleased shag music. Um, Dot actually said that she wasn't actually interested in the recordings. Uh, she just wanted to get the music out there and start collecting the royalties. And girly, get your bag. If, pe- if you're going to be traumatized and then just have to keep having this shit be brought up and brought up and not be able to move past well it, everybody it. wants to talk to you about the shit you went through, get your bag, girly. Get your bag. So at the time, the original Shags album was selling for $10,000 for an original copy. Jeez. So now, all these music people making this album huge, original copy selling for $10,000, I want you to remember that these women are not getting... No. They're they're not seeing that money. Yeah. I think that's a really important aspect to this story, to how these women's trauma is being... Just... Circulated in in that way and becoming profitable in a way that they're not seeing. Right. So, Dot, I just want to say... Get your bag, and I don't blame you. But also the fact that you're being forced to relive your trauma for money, I feel very bad for you. That is horrible. Yeah. Um, But Dot specifically, I think, takes everything in stride Hmm. and truly appears to be a very, appearingly very well-adjusted woman. She's a beautiful family. Her son, Matt, apparently really likes the original record and listens to it sometimes and I, she's never not supported that um she she really seems very well adjusted and she yeah. really takes everything in stride considering um and in 2017 dot and betty perform another reunion show they sang but they had other musicians playing all the music they just sang the lyrics they just sang the songs um, and Dot said later that she was a little disappointed that the mistakes in the songs weren't corrected. That, you know, they had all these, like, trained musicians, but they didn't want to, like, make the music sound good. They just wanted to play it bad, orig- the way it originally was. Yeah. Which she said disappointed her, but she understood that people really liked it the way that it was and they didn't want to change it. Yeah. But she still felt disappointed by that, which I understand. Uh, Yeah, Um, definitely. And Dot, speaking for Betty, said that Betty only performed for the money and that she had no interest in ever doing it again. Again, Betty, get your bag. Yep. Get your bag. I'm not judging you at all. Um, And that's really the end of the story. Damn. That's Um, crazy. Yeah, it's... I'm gonna sit up. 
it's really interesting. I think it's bizarre. It's very bizarre, yeah. Yeah, from start to finish. It's bizarre how they were forced to live their lives. It's bizarre how people latched onto it. It's yeah. bizarre the way we thrust their trauma back upon them as they were adults trying to move on from it. Right. Um, it's bizarre in every way, I think. And I just think it's really layered. And I think that there's a lot of things that we don't know about these women's, what they really... What they went through. And, yeah. Yeah. Where we don't know a lot about how they really feel about a lot of it. You know, right. Dot and Betty were the only two that really said much. Um, between them, Dot's really the only... was really, really carried a lot of the... Um, any of the like continuance of the band yeah 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 absolutely um but i think that it's clear to see that they really were hurting especially if mm-hmm. you look at helen i mean and I, I mean i'm not saying that everything was just strictly due to this trauma you know i don't know how right. much she processed it how much she didn't you know like but there there has to be repercussions of things like that you know yeah absolutely and and i think also seeing how much of a um, submissive player their mom was in this whole thing you know Um, at least we don't from what we hear we don't hear anything about we don't hear if their mom supported it we don't hear if she didn't support it we don't really know anything all we know is that she was alive and she was there she was just there and complaining I guess yeah when the dad died she sold the house are Don and Betty still alive? I believe so yeah damn yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Wow. And the fact that people, like, latched onto it. I'm not surprised based on the style. But it's just, like, it's 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 almost like a social experiment. It is. The it? way that it's, like, it, this is obviously bad, you know? And what they're saying about this album is very obviously not true. But I want to say that I understand on one level... That like trying to make music and being in the music business, I think that it was. I think that being a musician, hearing something, and being like, it must be freeing in a way to just play music and not give a shit about anything besides how it makes you feel. Just playing music for the fun of it, whether it sucks or not. Yeah. But that misses what these women were going through when they were making it. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I kind of cut into what you were saying. No, you're good. What do you think about the idea that, like, their music became so profitable in a way that didn't include them? I mean, it's fucked up, but it's, like, it makes sense with how the dad, like, did everything. Like, it was very clear that they were never a part of it. He didn't want to sign deals. He didn't sign them to any contracts. So they were never going to make a cent in the first place. That's true. You know? And so when they when it, their dad died and they scattered and then years later people find it and they want to sign deals and shit like that's not really up to them because it's not you know mm-hmm. they're all off doing their lives and it's interesting it was created out of their hands and it continued out of their hands yeah, even after their really, dad died yeah. it was forced upon them you could say that none of it was ever again. really theirs the music, the you know, because they were just doing what their dad said. Yeah, but on some level, they were, they did write the lyrics and they did make the music, you know. Right. But 
But it was it's pretty clear that they weren't passionate about it and they weren't trying to make oh, something yeah. good, you know? No, they didn't. They did not want to be doing what they were doing at all. And their dad would make them play these songs over, over and, and over, over yeah, and over day. again and it was never right. There was always something wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So That's the story of the Shags. Damn. You know, I feel like I've heard the name before. But that's all I have to say on it. So I think that's that on that. Um, I don't want to get like copyrighted for like the music. So yeah, we'll I'm going to gonna have really very short little clips that are not very long at all. And I, you'll have to go to Instagram or look it up yourself right. on Spotify to um, listen. But you should listen, I think. Just hear it. Um, it is a little disturbing to listen to. I'm not going to lie in a way. because yeah, especially it's very trippy know. to listen to. Mm-hmm. And also thinking they just like did it all in one day and were miserable the whole time. You're right. hearing it and you're like, damn, I can hear it, you know. I'm going to really quickly, actually, um, I meant to do this, just read some of their lyrics. They have a song called Who Are Parents? Um, the chorus of Who Are Parents is... Who are parents? Parents are the ones who really care. Who are parents? Parents are the ones who are really there. Parents do understand. Parents do care. We must remember parents are the ones who will always understand. Parents are the ones who really care. And it's... You know what that sounds like? You know when you lie and you have to write a sentence of what you did wrong over and over and yeah. over. Yeah. It sounds like that sort of manipulation tactic of like you're gonna say this over and over and over again and you're gonna sing this over and over again so that you understand that what I'm doing is right. Well, I think that is very clear in the verses that yeah. there that psychology is at play. So they say some kids do as they please. They don't know what life really means. They don't listen to what the one to what the ones who really care have to say. They just go and do things their own way. The second verse is some kids think their parents are cruel just because they want them to obey certain rules. They start to lean from the ones who really care, turning turning from the ones who will always be there. Yeah, that sounds like they had to write that as, like, punishment. Even, or even that, like, that thought is there that they're, like, some some kids think their parents are cruel. They're, like, trying to convince themselves that what, this isn't, you know, trying to convince themselves that right. it's okay that they're being put through what they're yeah, being Yeah, that it's not as they, bad as it sounds, you know? Yeah, and like I said, they start to lean from ones who care. Who will always be there like they start to lean away from their parents but they shouldn't because they're the ones who actually have their best you know, yeah you know and it, it just, doesn't it doesn't sound like they wrote this at all i think they did i think they i think that they do write the lyrics themselves Maybe yeah but they like didn't for that locked song. in the in the basement with their dad all day you think they wrote the songs, well, you know? Well, I think that he left... I don't think... I think that it's a mixture of, like, he would lock them in there and do, like, and do whatever and, like, force them to be in there practicing. Right. It's very unclear if how much of a hand he had in everything. That's the thing. Yeah. They say they wrote the lyrics, so I don't know. Yeah. Um. It's just weird. You know, and there's songs that, like... Um, like, so Philosophy of the World, the title track 
is the the rich people want what the poor people got the poor people want what the rich people got the skinny people want what the fat people got and the fat people want what the skinny people got you can never please anybody in this world the short people want what the tall people got the tall people want what the short people got the little kids want what the big kids got and the big kids want what the little kids got the girls want the girls with short hair want long hair. The girls with long hair want short hair. The boys with cars want motorcycles, and the boys with motorcycles want cars. You can never please anybody in this world. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. They will always be one who wants things the opposite way. Um, it doesn't matter what who you see. There will always be someone who disagrees. We do our best. We try to please, but like the rest, we are never at ease, hmm. which is... A very interesting look into yeah they're they're the world that they were looking at right very black and white yeah but it, and also, I mean on some level they're right I mean yeah <laughs> it is it, I can see like it is very like rudimentary mm-hmm. you know they're just saying things you know if that makes sense yeah but yeah it's not like they don't have a point behind it because it's, yeah, I mean, it's people true. with yeah. their own thoughts. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's still true what they're saying to an extent, you know? But also this, like, underlying theme of it doesn't matter what we do. It'll never be good enough. We're right. always trying our best, and it can never please anyone. Which and probably is how their dad made them feel. Yeah, that's, it's, that's probably the world they were living in in so many ways. Um, I just wanted to talk about the lyrics. I forgot to do that earlier. Yeah. But um, now that's that's all I have on that. So. That's all on that. Yeah, that's, that's a crazy story. It is, and it's bizarre from start to finish. Yeah. 